Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Hey, the NBA playoffs are in full swing. The NHL playoffs are in full swing. What are you betting on? Where are you putting your money to try and make a few extra dollars? Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your sports book experts. On this week's podcast, we take a slight detour. Yes, we're still talking high school sports, but it's from a different perspective. Not an athlete or a coach, but a longtime official. Someone who's seen the game from a different perspective. Someone who's been around high school sports for many years as a basketball official. Formerly the golf coach at my alma mater, Crespi High School, and one of the best officials and greatest guys in the southern section, Marvin Nudell. Marv, thanks for taking the time. We finally figured out the technology, man. My, my pleasure, man. You know, you have to get young people here to do this for us. Exactly. Time is time is kind of passing us by with all this technology stuff. No, but not boy, passing us by. Already passed me by years ago. Give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he'll eat for his life. That's right. Did you care about the camera? I got a great story to tell you. Not, not today about yeah. fishing. Okay. Well, well, we'll talk about that. But let's go back to the beginning for you. Okay. Uh, grow to, did you grow up playing sports, college? Give me your life story in a few minutes. Oh, boy. I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I, I, I played basketball in high school. Of course, I wasn't seven foot tall, so I was or six four or six five, even six foot. A five six guard was tough. So I played in high school. I played on a pretty good team. I loved basketball. And then I went to University of Cincinnati in the heyday of University of Cincinnati basketball. So I got to meet I used to go to practice all the time, and I got to meet all the players. This is after Oscar Robertson. This was national championship teams. So I, I used to go out to practice all the time, and I got to meet the players. And, and a group of players came up to me one day and said, you know, we got all these tickets to sell, you know, which was illegal, I guess. But <laughs> so, so I made a deal with them. I would sell. They each gave me like five tickets, each player. And I would stand out in front of the arena, which was always sold out. and I would scalp the tickets and I would get, I would take half and they'd get half, but I already saved the ticket for myself. So I was always involved with, I was involved with Cincinnati basketball that way. And at the end I used to travel with the team. Uh, so it was, it was, it was quite a college basketball experience, although I wasn't playing. And you had a great time with it, but you're out oh, there selling tickets. You're breaking every NCAA rule known to mankind. That's right. That's true. And I'm going to tell you, I had to know. I had to meet the police who were out in front of the stadium. <laughs> I became friends with the cops. They wouldn't. They wouldn't jail me. Give Give them a couple tickets to the game and go. Here you go, officer. Just don't. Just don't. You know, throw no, me. They got to. Wall. They got to know me. They got, Guys to see me in front of every home game there. They got to know me, and we they sort of turned a blind eye. Well, which is good, which is good. So your your playing career ends. What did you do after after college? Well, I went to work. I'm like, I was already married, and I had a child. 
uh, at when I was 21, 22, after, yeah. And so I went to work and uh, I was in the men's retail clothing business, became a buyer for a big retail chain. And then I, then I hooked up with a company out of Philadelphia called After Six Former Wear. And they hired me to travel and sell their products around the Midwest. And then in 1971, they said, we're going to give you, we're going to offer you two things to help you. We're going to give you two places you can go. You can either go to Boston or Los Angeles. Take out, take the job there. I said, well, that's a no brainer. I'm getting out of this damn weather. And I came to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so I worked for that company for 35 years. And how did you get into officiating? Because, you know, most people want to stay involved in the game after their careers are over in some capacity or, you know, their playing days are done, but they love the game so much. They find a way to get to stay involved. What was the story for you? Well, interestingly, I, uh, I was playing, you know, men's rec league stuff when I came out here, but my talents were waning. I was, I wasn't jumping so high anymore. I wasn't dribbling so well. So I, I just wanted to stay close to basketball. So I was talking to a guy, the director of one of the parks out here, and he told me, why don't you become a referee? So I looked into it and I became a referee 41 years ago. Wow. And so you started doing what? Just the, the young kids, the rec leagues, yeah, the parks? I started out, I, I joined the basketball unit here. And I remember my first game was a girls freshman game at Canyon High School. <laughs> do you what do you remember from that game and, and how nervous were you? Uh, I, I don't I, I don't remember the nerves. Uh, I remember I was really bad. <laughs> 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 and if I didn't remember the coaches reminded me many times. Uh, so you know that was that was my answer indoctrination. My true indoctrination was uh, with Greg Herrick. You know Greg, right? Oh, well, funny story about Greg. I, I had him on the podcast, and Greg was my English teacher my freshman year at Crespi, mm -hmm. and we still talk to this day. And Greg was at Hart High School right? Um, and, at, and at Cleveland High School I, back I, in the I day. first met him when he was at Cleveland High School. Okay. Okay, and, you know, Greg could be tough. <laughs> Very. <laughs> it could be tough. So – we, we used to have what we call floor practice, which was before the season. And we would uh, go out and just a bunch of guys, refs with teachers, would go out on the court and referee a quarter. So I'm not going out now and referee a quarter at Cleveland High School. Greg Herrick's the coach. And first play down the floor, he starts yelling at me. <laughs> he starts yelling at me. And then next time, he's yelling at me. I said, what the hell's going on here? I, I stopped. I walked over and said, hey, coach. I agree. I don't know what I'm doing, but quit yelling at me. <laughs> you're and, just, we, and we became friends after that. You're, you're just making it worse on me, coach. <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm trying to concentrate. You're yelling at me. What am I going to do here? So it worked out, uh, and we, Greg and I became friends. We, we, we talk about that often that, 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 that day. That's that's awesome, and Greg can be hard on officials, and oh, yeah. and a lot of people are hard on officials. Is basketball the only sport you've ever done? Yes. Okay. Now you you also told me, and I never knew this. We've known each other for several years. Um, we met when you were the golf coach at Crespi, and I'm up right. here at Golden Valley. And you said that you were an announcer for ESPN for the Angels. Correct. And tell me about that. That's interesting. 
Okay, well, <clears throat> Jim Smiley, who was the basketball coach at Crescenta Valley, always had this gig with the Dodgers. Jim and I became friendly. He was another guy that was tough. But he, he and I became friendly. And he came to me and said, you know, I, I do this for ESPN for the Dodgers, but, but the uh, guy who does the Angel games re retired. Are you interested? I don't, I don't know if I'm interested. I don't know what it is. So <laughs> I, I went and I did a demo thing with them, and they hired me. And what it entailed was I would go to the games, Angel home game, and I would work. I, I would do play-by-play. -play. I'd voice it in, and it would come out and print on, on the ESPN Internet, and, uh, which was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the the camaraderie. I got to meet all the ball players. I was in the I was in the locker room before and after the game. I was in the dugout. I was getting interviews, just talking to guys, and uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. And of course, Mike Socher, who you know, was a right. Presby graduate, I think, isn't he? Is he a his son? His son was a Presby. His son was, yeah. So uh, he was the manager. So he and I sort of struck up a friendship then. Uh, so it, it was it was a great experience for three years. Unfortunately, it was done after three years because MLB Network bought out the rights to do all those games. So ESPN lost the rights to do it. Now, did anybody ask you to sell tickets out in front of Angel Stadium <laughs> no, back then? No, no. <laughs> no, I, no I would, listen, I spent a lot of time at that ballpark for three years. I'd have to get there at least an hour and a half before the game. And then after the game, I had to get interviews and post them. So I was, I was at the ballpark a lot of hours. That's awesome. And, and and you're still refereeing. Now let let's talk refereeing. You know, people people give referees a bad rap. And you know, you guys are out there just you're doing your job. You we need referees at, at in all the sports. Why do you think people are so I don't want to say abusive, but just so they treat you guys like like you're second class citizens. Yeah, well, you can say abusive because in a lot of cases it is abusive, you know, and they have no right to do that, you know. Um, I, I I don't know that I, 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 look, it's been going on for years and years and years that coaches and referees have sort of animosity between each other for some reason, except after the game I can go out to dinner with you, you know. So I understand it, but it's got it's gotten a lot worse over the last 10 years, maybe. And every year it's gotten worse and worse and worse all the time. And there's, there's no control. What do you attribute that to though? I guess maybe pressure on coaches to win. They have and a lot of pressure to win. And I understand that they have to perform. And so do we, but what, what coaches fail to understand is that, when, when we're refereeing a game, we're trying to concentrate on what's going on. And they when they start yelling and, and waving their hands up in the air and all that nonsense, we lose our concentration because now we have to worry about him and not the game. So it's not helpful uh, for coaches to do that. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. It was uh, Chad Phillips. Old Canyon coach. The old Canyon coach. I liked Chad. He was a good guy. So one, I was doing one of his games once he starts. The start game starts out. He was, he was playing one of the other teams up there. I forget which one. <clears throat> game starts out. He's down 16 to nothing. He's all over me. 
So I finally I called a technical foul. I said, that's enough, Greg. And he came back and won the game. And he came up to me after the game and said, Marvin, that technical foul won me the game. Because I, I then started concentrating on coaching and not on you. <laughs> so you, did you give him another technical the next time you did their game just because? <laughs> no. I said, if you ever need one, just let me know. <laughs> you know, you guys get you get a lot from people. You know, and, and the thing about basketball as opposed to, you know, a sport like football is everything is so close. Mm-hmm. The, the parents are close. You know, the coaches are close. You know, and, and I've, I've been at a million basketball games, and, and I'll see the referee standing over by the table talking to the coach. Is there is there kind of like, hey, coach, you know, yeah, I'm sorry I missed that one, but look, man, the, the substitution you just made with putting that kid in the game is killing you. <laughs> you ever tell them that they're doing a bad job? Well, I, uh, we're really not – it's really not our job to do that because we're not grading them on what they're doing. But they're grading us on what we do. So uh, it, it, I've never told a coach at all. I did have a situation with a coach at Jim Smiley, again, at Crescenta Valley. I was doing his game. He was getting beat. He had a pretty good team, and he was losing to the team he shouldn't have lost to. And I'm standing in front of his bench during a free throw, and he says to me, Marvin, you're having an awful game. I said, well, Jim, I may be having an awful game, but I'm not losing. <laughs> so... <laughs> So you're having the worst game. So yeah, he, said to me, he said to me, that's it. I can't, re- I can't respond to that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I, when you get all this stuff from parents yelling at you, hey, ref, you know, who's paying you? And, and do you ever want to yell back and go, hey, Mr. Mr. Loudmouth up there, the school is paying me and it's your school. And I'm not really trying to screw over your school. But the, the, the one-liners that people come up with, some are just absolutely dumb. But what are some good ones that you've heard over the year that you so badly wanted to respond to? Oh, there's been a lot of them. But the, the worst thing an official can do <clears throat> is respond to some jerk, jerk up in the stands yelling at him because now, now he's, got the, he, he's got the upper hand on you. He, know, you. he knows he's gotten to you. So referees are really better off trying as best they can to ignore all that. Uh, so, and, and it's got to be tough to do because then, then you're at a high school and you're hoping that the administration or the people involved will find that person and say, hey, you know, you either got to, you know, shut up or leave. And, and leaving is probably the best option for you. Yeah, we try not to do that because, you know, it's just it, it, we're not there to – we're not there for that job, okay? Right. We're going to referee the game. What parents do, what parents do. Now, of course, if foul language comes up or any of that kind of stuff, then we're going to go to administration and tell them that guy's got to be removed. And so, and, and they have to do it. We tell them, remove that guy there. The school administration has to remove him. But we don't remove him. But you would hope that the administration would see stuff like that and then without even having you guys as an officiating crew say anything, that they would take charge and, and to just take care of that. Never happened. I've never seen that happen. <laughs> never. And I, I just don't understand that, you know, you go into these gyms and there's a code of conduct that is posted, right. you know, sportsmanship, 
referees are neutral, all this. There's announcements made before the game. And you got, you know, Joe Loudmouth pairing up in the stands and you got four administrators standing around the gym and nobody's doing anything, but this guy's yelling and screaming at the whole world. Yeah, it happens. It happens more than you more than you like to think it does. But that's one of our problems. You know, we have a problem. Uh, as I said, it's gotten worse. And something needs to be done to help the game by keeping parents at, a, at the right level and, and, and or coaches because we're losing nationwide, not just here. We're losing many hundreds of officials who just don't want to take the abuse. And I can understand that. Now, I've been doing it so long, I don't care about the abuse. I don't look at it as abuse. I, they got their own problem. You know, so <laughs> let him yell. Go ahead and yell. Just don't use any. Usually I can look at them and I wink at them or something. You know, I try to get on their good side if I can. Uh, and a lot of times I have. And a lot of times you haven't. But you're, do you ever think and just want to look up at somebody and go, sir, this is a freshman girls basketball <laughs> game and you're yelling at me like it's the NBA championship. <laughs> Relax a little bit. Yeah, well, you think that, but you don't say it. <laughs> But how badly do you want to say that? Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> how do you stay composed? How, how do you keep your cool out there in, in a gym that may be empty where there's not a lot of people at, at, you know, one of the lower level games that you're doing and people are howling at you? How do you keep your composure? You just have to stay concentrated. You have to concentrate on the game as best you can because that's your job. Uh, it's not easy sometimes. Or a lot of times, as I said, it's gotten worse and worse over the years. So uh, we're we're even to the point where we've our unit has decided for next year we're going to have a coaches meeting that we're going to run, and we're going to try to come to some kind of agreements with coaches on on, on their proper behavior and our proper behavior. You know, they like to talk to us, and this is fine, but talking is not yelling. Yeah, engagement in conversation. I've always said to coach, hey, you don't have to yell at me. I'm standing right next to you, <laughs> okay? Yeah, You're I talking. can hear you. I can hear you. I can hear you just fine. So, but, you know, it, it, it's just some of their nature. And this year, I think, I haven't worked this year because I've had a bad back, but this year may have been worse because there's nobody in the stand. So you got you got two knuckleheads up there yelling. You can hear them like, like they're standing right next to you. And when there's a big crowd, you can't. Right. But now, has it made it better, do you think, the guys that you've talked to, that there are no parents, but there are the coaches? Well, there are there are parents. but And, and as I said, it's magnified because you can hear every word they're yelling at you now. Okay. Whereas before you couldn't necessarily because, you know, there's a lot of noise in the, in the stands. So you could sort of just disregard that guy. But unfortunately, from talking to guys this year, they're having a lot of problem with that because they come through loud and clear when they're yelling. Yeah. When you've made a bad call in a game and, and you blow the Wait, whistle. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're talking what, me No, me. not you. I, I'm speaking generally when an official makes yes. a bad call. A lesser experienced official makes a, a – and they know it's the wrong call right away. Like your partner might make one and comes up to you and says, Marv, I, I think I blew that call. What do you say? And are there such things as makeup calls? Uh, I can't say that there never has been a makeup call in this world. Okay. I'm sure there has been. Uh, I personally try to fight during that because if I made one mistake, why do I need to make two? So I try not to, and the game is so fast. 
that you really don't have the, even time to think about that anymore. How has the game changed? I mean, you know, we look at it, you know, you look at guys from way back when, and it, it seems like the game is faster. Oh. Um, players are, are I don't want to say more athletic because, you know, I look back at Michael Jordan and he was just a ridiculous athlete, but, but these kids today are playing a lot more. What has changed from your perspective on the court? You know, I think the pressure on these kids is immense because they all want to get scholarship. They all want to go to college, to big schools. They want to play in the NCAA tournament, whatever it is. So the pressure on them, and I can see it in youth league. Okay, you know, when kids are 10, 12 years old and, and their parents are there with them yelling at they're They're sitting on the side and yelling at the kid during the game. It's disgusting. Okay. If I was, if I was a kid, I'd walk off the court if that were to happen. But parents, parents yell at their own kids and then in turn, they yell at us. I've always said to parents, give a kid a break. Leave him alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's talking to the wall. So you're banging your, you're banging your head against the wall and hoping that headache goes away. Yeah. It usually doesn't, but no, (laughs) You know, you have to ignore. We've lost many officials over the years who just had too thin a skin yeah. to be an official. You can't take criticism. You better not be a basketball referee because you're going to get it. What kind of training do you guys go to? So I'm, I'm a 20-something-year-old guy, and, and I want to be an official. What do I need to do? How do I go about doing it, and how intensive is the training for me to become one? Okay, well, you haven't asked the right guy because I'm, I'm the instructional chairman of the, of the San Fernando Valley Basketball Association, which referees all the games in San Fernando, Santa Clarita, as far out as Santa Valley, and so on. So we have a wide area of schools that we referee. So we have a unit, and, we, and the restrictions on officials is that they have to put in 15 hours of class time every year and pass certain tests. So we have meetings every year, six meetings every year, uh, where where we do teaching. We go over new rules, we we go over teaching, and everybody is sort of at a different level, so we try to break it down different levels for these guys. But we, we break down film, we talk about rules, we talk about how to handle coaches. Uh, it's pretty intense uh, instruction. And hopefully our guys are learning. Now, of course, you, you teach something in class one day, you go watch a guy at a game the next day, it's like he wasn't even there the right before. What are you doing out there? <laughs> you know, referees, guys, guys think that they, they can make their own rules for basketball. You know, why didn't you call that? Well, I didn't think that was a foul. I don't, I don't, think, that, I don't think that should be called. I said, well, it's not your job to think it's got called. You need to rule, read the rule book, and if it's in the rules, call it. You can't make the rules. <laughs> can't, I can't make it up as I go. <laughs> no, you can't. Now, so, you, go ahead. So, I, you know, I, I'm the head instructor, and we, we put together every year a program, which we hope is helpful in teaching guys how to referee. You've been doing it a long time, and, and you are, you know, let's no spring chicken anymore, and you still want to do it. How do you stay in shape to keep up with these young kids going up and down the court? Well, actually, Tony, I'm 78 years old today. Today's my birthday. Happy, Marv, happy birthday. Thank you. See, I, that's how much I love you, Tony. I come out on my birthday to do this with you. I, what a guy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it, it's, 
it's tough. It, it's tough. I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Okay. When you were young, I mean, did you do a lot of cardio training or, oh, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it gets tougher and tougher as I've gone along. I started young and then I've had some setbacks. I had, I had heart by heart bypass surgery in 1995. Okay. And, and I'm very proud to say that nine weeks from the date of surgery, I was back on the court from high heart bypass surgery. Wow. You must love the game. So I, I've always done my best to stay in shape. Every year it gets harder and harder and harder. Uh, but I, you know, I do a lot of summer league, you know, summer league games. I run, it's, it's mostly cardiovascular stuff for me. And I, you know, I've been able, I've been lucky that my legs are good, you know, still strong enough for me to run at my age. And, uh, it's hard. It's not, it's not easy, but you know, a lot of these guys, young guys don't understand it. They just think that they can walk in and run them down the court. They can't. And I've, I've seen some guys that, you know, and, and mad props to you for staying in shape. And, you know, I've seen some guys that, wow, it's, it's man, how are you getting up the floor without, you know, having, having a heart attack? It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, There's a lot of know, guys that scare me. I, I watch them out there. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I I I was in shape when I had the heart attack. Okay, <laughs> so so and I've had two back surgeries along the way, uh, and I just had another one two weeks ago, a little surgery. So my back, you know, forty-one years of thousands and thousands of games. Uh, and you and you've never made a bad call. That and that record is just that's that's just unbelievable. It's like Dimaggio's hitting streak. It is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. 41 years of games. Yeah. Who? Okay. Actually, I, actually, I do know if I, I, when I make a bad call, I don't have a problem saying to the coach when they go over, you know, report the foul, and he's yelling at me. I said, hey, I know I missed it. Okay. Stop. I missed that. I was wrong. Okay. Once, once we were, once we were, I was doing a tournament, Christmas tournament, Chaminade, made a team from up north, from Menlo. And, and I was doing that game, a game they played in, and I made an awful call. So when I, I came over in front of their bench, I, you know, I said to the coach, I'm not really proud of that call. <laughs> he said to me, what would you say? I said, I'm not really proud of that call I just made. He said, my God, I've been coaching for years. I've never had an official say that. Does that help with the relationship as the game goes on with the coach where he's, <laughs> hey, he admitted he was wrong, so we're good here? You would think so. <laughs> in, most, <laughs> in most cases it does but some coaches you know they just want to yell no matter what you do so i go i just walk away you know it I, seems that things are getting worse with parents and and we we've kind of touched on that a little bit just last week in in our area up in the santa Clarita valley i'm not going to name the school um but parents had to be removed from the gym mm -hmm. what would you like to see happen to people that that are constantly a problem. Like you've, you've been at, you know, whatever high school so many times throughout the year because of the, the area you're in and you see that same parent. How, how do we deal with that moving forward when you know before the game that person's going to be a pain in the neck? Uh, everybody's got their own personality as a referee and everybody can try and handle those in different ways. I try to, I try my best to soften the person up, you know, smile at them. You know, one time I gave one of them a whistle. 
as the <laughs> whistle I meant by here. Come on out here. <laughs> so, you know, shit like that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to use that word. Stuff like that. <laughs> Here's my whistle. Come on out, buddy. If you, you think you can do better than me, you're welcome to it. Yeah. The shoe story. I, I wrote an article years ago, and, and you told me a story about somebody that actually threw a shoe at you. Correct. Like, like, let's go over that again. Well, right? that, that's a long time ago. I was doing a, it was a playoff game at, at, where was I at? I think Faith Baptist High School. And I was doing a playoff game, and the gym was packed. And I call, and something happened in the game. I think I called a technical foul on the visiting team, a player on the visiting team. <clears throat> when I went over to report at the table, all of a sudden I see this flying thing flying at me. It's a shoe. <laughs> I said, oh, oh my God, <laughs> this is not good. So, uh, so I got the shoe, and then the administration from that school went up the stands and got the guy who did it. And they escorted him out. On the way out, he said to me, can I have my shoe back, please? I said, no way. <laughs> shoe's mine now, buddy. Go buy another pair. <laughs> now, do you still have that shoe? No, I don't. I never took it home with me. So I, you, think I, just threw it, I threw it in the garbage can there. You should have kept it and put it in that yeah. school's trophy case. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was that was a surprising. But I've had, you know, it's... it's my wife, my wife kept telling me all through the years, keep a diary, keep a diary, keep a diary of what's going on. And I wasn't smart enough to listen, listen to her. So it, it would I have did. been a great book. I would have loved, if I would have started, I've got so many stories that I can't remember anymore, you know, because of so many years of basketball. Uh, I, I wish I would have listened to her at, those time, at that time and done that. You know, referees go into a game, and I, I know you don't care who wins. You want a good, clean game with as few fouls as possible. Some people have said if the referees are not noticed during a game, it's been a good game. Why do you think people think you're screwing over their team or their kid? It's just nature, common nature, I think. And I just think they, they think we're out to get them. I'm not, I, I've never, I, I've never, that I can rep that I can recall, and I don't think I have, made a call against a team because I didn't like the team or the coach or the player. But everybody then, thinks you're screwing us over. Why are you doing right. that? You you right. don't like us. I And I, you know, you want to make your however much money you get. You want to get out of there as quickly as, not as quickly as possible. You, you know, you want it to be a good game. But for some reason, people think that the referees are just the enemy of everybody when they step on that floor. Well, we're not. Let's I can speak for myself. I'm not. And, and all the top referees in our unit are not. They're not that way. And I hope never will be that way. Uh, we have to just pl pl trudge on and, and do our job. Yeah. How un uneducated are people with the rules, even coaches? Well, coaches are the worst. Coaches do not know the rules. There are very few. Uh, I can name them on one hand probably over the years of coaches that have known the rules of the, really the, all the rules of the game. So that's unfortunate for them. Uh, but then again, we have referees that know the rules either. So, we, so it balances we, itself out. Yeah. Not quite as bad as coaches, but it, it, it's important for us as referees. You know, when I was a young referee, I used to take that rule book 
and when I was sitting on the throne, I would read five rules a day, every day. And, and that got me into the rule book that way. And, and I, I learned rules. Now, can I tell you, I know every rule right now? No, because the rule book is so, there's like hundred and something pages of rules. It's, it, it's tough. It's tough to remember all of them. But if you're good enough, if you're good enough, and I'll tell you a story about one. If you're good enough, you can you can improvise. You know, as long as you sell it, then they think you know what you're talking about. Okay. So I'll tell you a quick funny story. I was doing a, a game. It's actually it was Shamanad against. It may have been Valencia when Rocket was the coach. Okay. And there were three of us doing the game. And I, uh, there was a guy came down the lane and it was a charge block call. And I, I blew my whistle and so did the other two officials. We all blew our whistle at the same time. But the player was coming at me, so I would take that call. So I went to, I said, oh, I looked at the other two guys. They didn't move. I said, okay, I'll, I'll take this call. So I called them, whatever I called. I couldn't remember what I called. But when I got to the table, I forgot the guy's number. Because <laughs> I was looking all over it. The other guy. So I called the first official over. I said, hey, I said, who was the guy who, who committed the foul? He said, I don't know. I can't remember. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so I go to the other official. I said, hey, who, who, what guy committed that foul? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, oh my God. Great. So this guy, young guy, he sort of panicked. What are you going to do? What are you gonna do? I said, don't you worry. I said, tell me, tell me what player on that team is standing behind me. He said, number 22. I said, okay, fouls on 22. <laughs> <laughs> so I went up for I mean, 22. He said, I wasn't even in the play. I said, oh, no, it wasn't you. It was that guy. <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 you know I, I got through it. Oh, my God. But you got to be able to do that kind of stuff, you know, because you get tied up in that. Oh, my God, you know. And you, sometimes you got to laugh at yourself, right? Oh, every game. What game. You, you know, you know. One, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt your question. No, one go the, ahead. One of the great things I love about what I do with high school basketball is all the friends I've made over the years. I have lifelong friends that I've made over the 41 years that is just invaluable to me as a person. Uh, so, I, so I really love the game, not just for the, the actual game, but I enjoy the camaraderie that I've had over the years with all, with many, 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 many officials. You ever walk into a gym and the coaches see you and go, oh, good, we've got Marvin and, and Fred Turner tonight. We know it's going to be a good game. I've had coaches say that, but of course, after the game, they don't, they don't sing it again. So. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of, it, it, you just got to understand it's a game. It's a game. This is not life or death. You know, we're doing our best out there. Yeah. You know, I, I used to have a, I used to go to some schools before the season. Coaches would ask me to come and talk. <clears throat> so I would go, and some of them even had parents there for these meetings. So it was good. So I would, I would always break the ice by saying, I'd look at the first player sitting in front of me. I said, I get his name. I said, let me ask you, how many points a game do you average? He said, twelve. So, so I said, does that mean you get twelve points every game? He said, no. I said, sometimes you get 18, sometimes you get six, right? Yes. Well, so you, you have a bad, good night and you have a bad night. Officials are no different. 
we have our good nights and we have our bad nights. Right? You know, we're human beings. We have we have families, we have problems, you know, and something may be on our mind that's bothering us that night. You know, Greg Herrick told me a story years ago, um, you know, just about parents. And and you know, Greg spent many years on the bench and he's still, you know, still coaching and, and parents that are questioning him and yelling at him. And he said, Hey, how about I come to your job Monday morning, stand mm-hmm. over your shoulder and yell and scream at you how to do your job? Are you okay with that? And yeah. the parents said, No. Well, then don't do it to me. Well, he didn't. He told his parents, but he didn't follow it himself, though. No. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, I love Greg, but he was one of the great yellers of all time. Uh, <laughs> what keeps you going at, at seventy-eight years old? What keeps Marvin Nudell? coming back to the high school gym to, to put that referee outfit on and, and trudge up and down the court with the kids. I said, it's, it's the love of the game and the camaraderie that I've made with friends over the years that I get to be with. I love that. You know, how many people at my age can get out and do this kind of stuff? You know, usually my age guys are playing golf and that's it. You know, <laughs> they're riding, not walking. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you do. I, you know, it just it just keeps me going. I love the game. You mentioned that there's a shortage of officials, and and it's it's nationwide. I think. Mm-hmm. What can we do as 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 educators, as administrators, as coaches, to get people more involved in in officiating, getting young kids involved, or you know, college kids, or whoever it is, to to become high school officials. Uh, you know, we, we've had a, uh, we've had a lot of turnover, obviously, over the years that I've been doing this. Uh, and we try to get good young officials. We can, we can usually identify a guy comes from his first year. Usually in our unit, we get between 25 and 30 new officials every year. Of course, this year that didn't happen, but usually that's what we get. Now, here's the interesting part of it. We get 25 guys to start next year as a first-year official. How many are we going to retain the second year? Okay. If we can retain 50% of what we got the first year, we've done a good job. That's how bad it is. So there's just no, there's just not no one answer to all these questions. You know, it's a, it's a, it's difficult. Do you think there's going to come a time where schools might have to cancel games because officials, there just aren't enough officials to go around? Well, that happened this year uh, because of COVID, actually. So a lot, right. of, a lot of officials who are in our unit decided not to ref this year because they were afraid, that, you know, they're afraid of the COVID. So I think, I think most all of them will come back next year. Uh, there's some I wish wouldn't come back, but I think most all of them will come back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think we'll be okay as far as numbers as the years go on. But if but if it keeps getting worse and worse with parents and coaches, we're going to run more people out. Yeah, and that's and that's just a shame because then that's it's bad for the kids because you would like to think that everybody's out there for the kids and the best interests of the kids and and let them play and let them showcase their talents. But sometimes well, it's not that way. It's not that yeah. way anymore, Tony. It's all win, win, win. Yeah, and that's and that's a problem. That's a problem yeah. because in every game somebody's going to win, and and obviously somebody's going to lose. Even even I know that. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. It, it's it's scary. Uh, well, I, I, 
I've had coaches that I've called technical fouls on late in the game because they've deserved them. Okay. And I had a coach come in once after a game like that and tell me, Hey, you know, you lost the game for us. I said, no, no, no. I didn't lose the game for you. Your coach lost the game for you. And he looked at me and said, you know, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> that coach got fired that year, by the way. Coach, coach, your team shot 37% from the field. I'm not sure my one call lost you the game. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course, if you make a call in a tight game at the end of a game that changes the outcome of the game, that's that's that, that's difficult. Yeah. That makes but if, it's a, if it's a foul in the first quarter, it's got to be a foul in the second quarter and in the fourth quarter. Yes, yeah, you would think that's true. You yeah. Would, you'd want to think that's true. Yeah. If you think I'm going to call a ticky-tack foul with one second to go in a tie game, you're wrong. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to win this game for you. Yeah. So, uh, it's just the way it is. That's just the nature of basketball. Wow. Well, you know, Marv, this this has been this has been fun. We had some technical difficulties the other day with trying yeah. to get on here, but you know what? Like we said, we we persevered and and I I want to thank you so much for taking the time. It was great seeing you the other night and and I'm I'm hoping your back gets better and your golf game is is on par with Fred Turner. But uh, <laughs> I don't play every day like he does, you know. There's a it, difference. What a lucky guy, you know. And, and he plays every day. Uh, the the life of Fred. I we'd all yeah. like to do that. We all would like to be Fred. Yeah, man. Actually, I I could play every day, but I don't. I don't enjoy. I, I love golf, but I think I I was playing too much golf when I first sort of retired, and I, I got it said I can't do this four days a week. I I hope when I retire, somebody tells me you're playing too much golf. <laughs> I told myself. I don't think I'll ever tell myself. I don't care how bad it is. The worst day golfing beats the best day working by far. Without question. Without question. You know, you and I can get together and play golf some, this summer one day. We should. We should. Absolutely. Well, Mark, you know, hey, this, this has been great, man. I, I thank you for doing this. Uh, it's you. always thank great you seeing you out there. And, and, you know, continued good health and hope to see you out on the floor sometime soon. I hope so. Tony, thank you for inviting me. All right, Marv. Thank you. All right. Bye. I'd like to thank Marvin Nudell. This show was presented by betonline.ag. Thanks to Marvin Nudell and thanks to everybody for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.